Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. The title of today's message is Overcoming Faith. And the subtitle is, What is Faith and What is It For? All right, what is faith and what is it for? And as we've just said before, that today is day one in our 40-day campaign. Uh, We are embarking on a 40-day spiritual journey to strengthen and build our faith, to see God's miraculous power released in our lives in a fresh way. And when we're talking about faith, we're talking about fresh faith to lay hold of all of God's promises. Uh, And faith is what's needed for that. Fresh faith to overcome life's challenges. Uh, Do any of you have any challenges going on where you need some fresh faith? Well, that's what this is all about. Fresh faith to walk in God's peace and in His joy and in God's provision and in God's protection, in God's healing and in His full deliverance. And really, we're also talking about fresh faith for God's will to manifest in our lives, in our families, in our city, and in our nation. And uh, so what I want to do today, uh, and of course last week we had what we might call a pre-message, um, and I did some, I did some uh, proclamations last week. Uh, and if you haven't got to the message yet, I encourage you to do so. Uh, it will help you. But t- last week, as I said, I did some proclaiming. Today, I will do more explaining. I'm going to start. As a, I'm going to take it slowly, if you like. And if uh, people that are hearing these messages have never had any teaching on faith, I want to take it step by step. So by the time we get to the end of it, with those messages that you'll be hearing for the next five weeks, your involvement in a small group and reading uh, that booklet that we have provided for you and doing those daily confessions, by the time we get to the end of that, you'll be proficient in walking by faith and your life will be stronger as a result of it. So I want to deal with some fundamentals of faith today. I've got five points there. That's not necessarily an exhaustive list, but uh, something that will just, for some of us, it'll be a refresher. And for others, it'll be brand new teaching. You haven't heard this before. But let me tell you, after endeavoring to walk by faith for 40 years, I still need refreshers. I still need to brush up on things because it's amazing where one minute you've got a hold of something and it's operating in your life and unless it's encouraged and unless it's reinforced, it can wane and next minute it's no longer functioning to its full capacity. So some fundamental of faith and the first point that we have and it's in your outline and and before we get started, I also want to welcome our internet audience. God bless you. We're thrilled that you're able to join us this morning or otherwise that you're able to pull the message down on demand at a later stage. There is a, a link for an outline below your screen if you want to care to, to get into that and download it for yourself and it will help you. All right, point number one, faith is always for something. All right, faith is always for something. And we're dealing with fundamentals of faith. Uh, so let me read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now notice the words here. It speaks about the power of God and it speaks about faith for salvation. Faith for salvation. Faith is always for something. Faith isn't just for the sake of faith, but faith is for the sake of doing something, of producing something of having an outcome. Uh, And once we understand this, we can be much more purposeful in developing faith in our lives and pointing our faith towards certain things that we need in our lives in order uh, to receive that and in order to get that. So again, faith has always been designed to produce something. Uh, A few verses later, here in 1 Peter chapter 1, And in verse 9, it says, For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All right? So faith is supposed to have an end result. All right? Faith, uh, the the NASB translation says an outcome. Faith is supposed to have an outcome. So faith is not, as I've said before, for the sake of having faith, but faith is to produce something in our lives, 
to do something, to get a job done, to have a certain outcome. The Amplified Translation speaks of a consummation that having walked by faith, you end up receiving something uh, that will manifest in your life. In this instance here, it's faith for salvation. And friends, when we're talking about faith, there is such a thing as uh, faith for salvation. We've just looked at that right now in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 5. Uh, there's faith for divine healing. You know, when Paul and Barnabas were in a certain city there, uh, and uh, Paul saw a man that was handicapped in his feet, a man, a grown man, that has been handicapped in his feet from childhood, he had never walked. And the Bible says that Paul looked at him, and he saw that the man had faith to be healed. So there's faith for salvation. There's faith for healing. There's faith for divine provision. Philippians chapter uh, 4 verse 19, it says that our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That verse will produce faith for provision amongst others that we find in the word of God. There's faith for divine protection. And hasn't that ever become more relevant now with all of the goings on there, with all of these plagues and viruses and other things? Where Psalm 91 verse 10 says that no evil shall befall us and no plague, no virus shall come near our dwelling. All right. So there you go. So there's faith for salvation, faith for divine healing, faith for divine provision, faith for divine protection. There's faith to command storms to be still. You know, one day Jesus uh, was in a boat with his disciples, and he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. And as they left, uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus went for a nap. He went for a sleep. And next minute, a storm came up, and, uh, and the boat started to, uh, the wind was contrary. The boat, had, the boat started to fill with water, and the disciples were terrified. And in the end, they realized that they were in grave danger, and they woke up Jesus, and they said, Master, they said, we are perishing. Don't you care? And Jesus got up. Uh, and he stood at the front of the boat, and he spoke to the winds and to the storm, and he says, peace, be still. And the Bible says, next minute there was a great calm, and everything that had gone on, it all suddenly stopped. And then Jesus turned around, and he says, where is your faith? And it's like the emphasis being on where is your faith? See what I've just done with my faith, where is your faith? So there is a faith to command the elements. And I got into the habit that, uh, you know, the fact that we live in, in, uh, on, in, in an earthquake-prone uh, area, and when the earth has a slight shake, I start rebuking it right there. Like my mouth opens, and before it even finishes shaking, I'm already rebuking it. Because I believe that we have been given authority in the earth. So there is such a thing as faith to command the elements. That rather than the elements doing what the elements do, or the devil being able to stir things up, I says, no, uh, we say, peace, be still. So faith to command storms to be still. Faith for souls. Now, we need to realize that God has faith for us to meet every need that we might ever encounter in this life. God has got faith for you for any area of your life. All right? Now, when we're talking about faithful salvation, we're not talking about like, like you know, fruit, apples, pears, peaches, <laughs> plums. It's all faith. All right? It's all faith. But it has been given and is developed for a specific end goal in mind. And one thing that I've found over the years in my own personal life um, and in the lives of people that I've got to know that are also walking by faith is that sometimes it is easy for people to walk by faith in one area and yet they are sometimes struggling in another area. So you see, we can develop faith for all of those areas in our lives 
and and uh, one thing that I've endeavored to do uh, in the early years and certainly realizing that, uh, you know, God had called us into a, uh, a ministry that uh, is somewhat, you know, frontline and somewhat, uh, you know, potentially being a target for the devil. That I knew that the devil was going to try to attack us in the area of health. He was going to try to attack us in the area of provision. And he was going to attack us in other areas. So I've made an effort to develop my faith in those areas. And I encourage you, whatever is going on in your life, what do you, where do you need to focus uh, to develop faith for a specific area? Let me say it again. We're not talking like apples, pears, and different types of fruit or fruits. It's still all faith, but you can point your faith in certain areas in your life. Faith uh, put into a certain area will work in that specific area. So even though we saw Even though we say faith for healing, faith for salvation, it's all faith, all right? I'm not saying that there's different faiths, plural, all right? You understand that? And might say, well, how do I I develop my faith in those areas? Well, one of the things to realize is we go to the Word of God and we find a promise that will cover a specific area in our life. And as we grab that Scripture and start to read it, and start to declare it, and to meditate in it, it will develop faith for the very promise to come to pass that you are meditating in, and that you are declaring. All right? So as I said, that's why, that's why in, in the Word of God, there are promises galore. All right? And every single promise will produce faith for the thing that it promises. All right? Now, in the Bible... We see two distinct types or aspects of faith. Uh, first of all, or letter A, and again it's in your outline, there's our personal faith, uh, or, or we might also say our personal uh, or, or, and our corporate faith. And then secondly, or letter B, there's the gift of faith. All right. And for the sake of our study here over the next 40 days in our 40-day campaign, we're discussing type A faith, which is our personal faith, and how to develop it to function at high capacity. Type B faith is a, one of the gifts of the Spirit, and that's a different thing. Uh, somebody, it's a different application, and uh, I don't want us to stray into that for the purposes of our study, because you see, the gift of the Spirit uh, operating as God wills. But your faith and my faith can work all the time if I put it to work. That's one of the main differences between those two. And then people that are operating in the gift of faith, you know, God has distributed the nine gifts uh, to different members in the body of Christ as He wills, whereas your personal faith and my personal faith is ours, and we can put that, put that at work 24-7. We don't have to wait for anything. We don't have to say, is this okay today, God, or anything? Like, just put it to work. All right? Put it to work. So when I talk about our personal faith, or we call, sometimes we speak about a corporate faith. What what does that mean? Um, We're not talking about corporations. We're talking about corporately. All right? When somebody develops their faith, their personal faith, they will be stronger and most probably, their family will be stronger as a result because when one person in a family gets stronger, the whole family gets stronger. Now, when a whole church, a whole local church, corporately develop their faith and get stronger, then the whole church is stronger. All right? And we can influence uh, things more efficiently and, and so forth with, with our faith and with our prayers in our city uh, and in our nation. So that's why we're speaking about personal faith and corporate faith. But primarily, I'm speaking to you over the next few weeks about your personal faith. So who has faith? Um, and I said I was going to just get right down to basics. You know, you know that you can't build the first story of a building until you've built the ground floor, and you can't build the ground floor until you've dealt with the foundation. So we're just laying a foundation, and in sub- subsequent weeks, uh, we will build on that. Who has faith? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. 
God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Is that every man? Well, Paul says every man who is among you. So in other words, everybody that's in the Roman uh, believer's church, every one of them has been given the measure of faith. So that means that every born-again believer has been given the measure of faith. All right? Every believer starts out with the same measure of faith. There's no such thing as a superior measure or an inferior measure. God's given every single one of us the right measure of genuine Bible faith when we were born again. It's that some people have made an effort to develop their measure of faith to go to the next level and then to the next level and then to the next level. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2. Uh, it says, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Now, Every human being has a, what we might call a natural human faith, but that's not Bible faith. A natural human, human faith is a different kind of <laughs> deal than real Bible faith. So what is natural human faith? What does that look like? Well, it means that uh, when people book a ticket to fly from point A to point B, when they get on the plane, they have faith that the pilot will steer the plane into that particular city that they wanted to go to, and they get off at the other side, and, and they believe that that's, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, like most likely going to happen. There's almost like uh, hardly any chances for that not to happen. So that's what we call a natural human faith. When Paul here speaks about wicked and evil men, uh, and then he says not everyone has faith when lost people, even wicked people, when they hear the gospel preached, Faith would come for salvation. But in a general sense, they do not have the measure of faith that you and I have if we are, you know, indeed born again. Because to, to reiterate, only born again believers receive the measure of faith. All right. And point number three, and that takes us now to the next uh, uh, point here, is to say that it is now our responsibility to develop and grow our measure of faith. Um, I need to develop my faith. You need to develop your faith. You know, sometimes I see people out doing their sports thing and whatever they do, and, you know, I'm amazed sometimes how people are dedicated in this, in this area, and, you know, I see somebody that's cycling down the road and they're going hard out or somebody's pounding the pavement and they're running. And, and, and you know, how, how many of you know that, in fact, some people could watch sports on television all day. It's not something that excites me. It doesn't spin my wheels. But how many of you know watching sports all day have you know that watching other people getting fit and being fit doesn't get me any fitter? <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, I need to pound the, the, the pavement myself if, if I want to get fitter. And, and, you know, watching other people lose weight doesn't cause me to lose weight. You know, so, so, so that's the whole point. It's like I need to develop my faith and you need to develop your faith. Now, you can inspire me with your faith, and I can be encouraged, but unless I knuckle down and start building my faith, I will only watch other people receiving all the stuff that's available by faith, and somehow it'll just not work for me or not to the extent that it is able to because I need to build my own faith. All right, very, very important. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, we must always thank God for you, brothers and sisters. This is only right because your faith is growing more and more. And the love of every one of you, that every one of you has for each other is increasing. Now, underline the words there, more and more. Your faith grows more and more. And when your faith has grown more, it can still grow more because it says more and more. Friends, there is no limit to what level you're able to take your faith 
if you make the effort. And like, you know, like when people are operating, it's just like, gosh, this is incredible what they're able to do, yet there's still more. Because God does not place a ceiling on us and say, okay, that's enough now for you. There's no ceiling. The devil says, oh, don't get too excited. Don't let people around you put a ceiling on you. And whatever you do, don't place a ceiling on yourself. Your faith can grow more and more. All right? More and more. I was talking last week. I mentioned uh, one of the present-day heroes of faith that's still alive. Uh, that's uh, uh, David Yong Cho. He tells us when he started out in the ministry, and he says back in the was the 40s or 50s, he says they were so poor. He says that uh, they didn't have anything, and uh, the poverty was just unbelievable. He says, so I started to believe God for a pair of socks because he wanted to be dressed properly when he wanted to go around preaching the gospel in villages. He believed God for a bicycle. And today, you know, he's the pastor. They got the largest church there, but it didn't start out there. All right. They took what they had and let it build more and more and more and more. You know, there is a man in the UK, or there was a man in the UK uh, some years ago now. I mean, he's gone to heaven some years ago. His name was George Mueller. And George Mueller had orphanages all across the United Kingdom and he was responsible for them. He was responsible to feed the kids. And he speaks about a faith that grew, that in the end, everybody in those orphanages ate. They didn't have an income, but they all ate. There was supernatural provision. At times, he says, they would sit down in the early days and have all the kids on a long dining room table, and in particular, orphanage there, and there was no food in the cupboard, no food in the kitchen. They would sit down, they would drop his head down and thank God for the food that they were about to eat. And when he lifted up his head, he says, there was at times a knock on the door, and they would Go out and look, there was nobody there, but somebody had left a whole lot of food that they were able to eat. So this man started with the faith that he had, with the measure that God had given him, and he built it to a measure that it's like, it's like phenomenal faith. All right? So I'm not in any way suggesting that faith is only for getting nicer things and better things, you know, more bells and whistles, even though faith will work for that. But it's using your faith to help other people, using your faith to extend the kingdom of God, uh, using your faith for your family members to get saved, using your faith for wayward kids to be returned to the things of the Lord, for backsliders to be restored and all. This is all faith. Faith for souls. Faith for salvation. So your faith is growing more and more. And if there were enough space in the Bible, it would go on and say more and more and more and more. Turn to the person next to you and say more and more, more and more. Don't despise where you are today, but build it so it grows more and more. You see, it's like a physical muscle that we are able to develop to handle bigger weights, you know, bigger challenges in terms of climbing up hills and doing whatever we do with, with our muscles. So our faith is able to grow to handle bigger projects, bigger assignments, and greater challenges. All right. Talked a while ago about, you know, when people step into a new ministry endeavor. And, you know, it's been said that, you know, new levels, they're new devils. Sometimes people are facing devils they didn't have to fight before. But even that requires faith because you can't fight the devil with guns and with swords and with, you know, with squirting water at him or with, you know, you can only fight the devil by faith, all right, uh, and resist him by faith. And so it is, as our faith grows, God can give us bigger responsibilities because we can handle it now. We couldn't handle it before, but we can handle it now. And next week, next month, next year, we can handle bigger things still. So what is faith? When we're talking about the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this is the Bible definition or one of the Bible definitions of what faith is. 
And it says here, faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. One translation says, it is the essence of things hoped for. You see, when we read the Word of God, it produces hopes and dreams in our lives. But they're only hopes and dreams to begin with. When somebody is unwell, they're sick, and they read the Bible concerning healing, it produces a hope and a dream that they can be healed. And faith will give reality into those hopes and dreams. How many of you have ever dreamed a dream that was so exciting that you woke up and you were just so excited, but after a while it, it all just wore off and suddenly the excitement was no longer there? I've had that, like, I'm waking up, I'm like, this is just phenomenal. I just had a dream. And it seemed so real, but yet dreams are not real. Dreams are only dreams. They're only mental pictures. A hope is only a hope. And so I say it again, when we read the Word of God, it produces a hope. Yet when we engage our faith, our faith give substance to the things that we hope for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. What's not seen? Heaven is not seen yet. But our faith tells us that it's real and that we're on our way to heaven. Where does our faith come from? It comes from the written word of God, which tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And once we are saved, we receive the measure of faith, and we have a, what we call assurance of salvation that we are heaven-bound. We haven't seen heaven. And in the same chapter where we started out, Peter speaking to the believers, there says, you guys haven't seen God, but you worship him. God's not seen unless he reveals himself uh, to somebody in, through a vision or a dream or something. But otherwise, God is not seen, yet we serve him. We haven't seen heaven, yet we are convinced in our heart that we are on our way there. There's no doubt about it. Well, faith is that conviction. It is that, uh, that evidence of the things not seen, or I would say not yet seen. We will see it. You know, in the world they say, seeing is believing. You know, when you tell them something, they say, ah, I don't believe it. I want to see it before I believe it. But in the kingdom of God, we say, believe it and you will see it. And actually, when I see something, like for example, right now, I'm standing in front of this lectern. It's real. It has substance. At one stage, it was only a dream. I remember I was involved. We were drawing things out and we were measuring, we're doing things and, you know, some skilled and some kind person has put it all together and, and then it manifested. And one day, here it was. Now that it's here, I don't have to believe it. I know it's here. I can see it. I can feel it. I can use it. But until it manifests, if it's only a dream, I need faith. And I need to hold on to the faith of things not yet seen so that one day, I will see it. And so it is with our healing. When we see in the word of God that healing belongs to us by covenant. I'm so convinced about that that you couldn't talk me out of it if you tried. I'm so convinced uh, of, of some of these things as I say. You know, as I say, but I didn't start out that way. You know, the Bible says that, that uh, Abraham was fully convinced that that which God had promised he was able also to perform. But he didn't start out that way. He built his faith as well. Abraham and Sarah, a whole story there. What a faith journey. That's why Abraham and Sarah are listed in the, uh, in the Hebrews chapter 11, which is what we call the hall of faith, of the faith people of yesterday and of yesteryears, that by faith they received, by faith they walked, by faith they did this, and by faith they did that. And we read all of that, and we learn how to do things by faith ourselves in this present day. Faith is designed to give substance to your hopes and dreams. You know, sometimes, uh, just in order to use examples that people can kind of snap, snap into and lay a hold of it, uh, somebody might build a bridge 
over a river. Um, and the, the first thing they start doing is they design it. Uh, they figure out, okay, what's the bridge going to supposed to look like? How many pillars does it need? Does it need any pillars? Or we just go from one side across to the other. And then they build a scaffolding. And scaffolding is basically to put a frame in place with some steel inside. Um, and, and, and then they come along and pour concrete into it and wait until it goes hard. And they take the scaffold away and voila, you got a bridge. You're able to go from this side of the river across to the other side of the river. Now, here's the deal. Your hopes and your dreams are the scaffolding, but it still needs concrete to go into it. And your faith is the concrete that goes into it to bring substance to it. So it's not just a, a design on, on a page. It's not just a, a, a framework, but it's, it's, it's actual reality. And faith will bring reality to your hopes and to your dreams. Faith is the title deed of the promises of God. If I were to say to you, and this is just an example, and this is not for real. If I were to say to you, I've got a, um, a property, say in one of the New Zealand cities, say I've got a, a property in Auckland, and, and I've got the title deed which proves that I'm the owner. Now, if I were to say, look, I would like to give that property to you, we need to go through some legal work. I need to sign over the property into your ownership, and then you get the title deed. And once that process has been finished, you hold a piece of paper in your hand, and it's your title deed to the property now. You still haven't seen it. You might have seen pictures. You might have seen like, you know, as we say, hopes and dreams, just pictures, but they're only just mental images. That's, not, that's still not hard. You haven't touched it and so forth. So you hold that title deed in your hand, yet if you understand the process, you know that that property is yours. How do I know that healing is mine? My faith is the title deed for it. And where does my faith come from? My faith comes from the written word of God. I go to the promises and actually the promises of God are the title deed that healing belongs to me. And if I receive it by faith and continue to declare and walk by faith, it will be until such time, until it manifests in my life. And uh, as I say, I'm as convinced at the front end is what I am once I've already got it. But once I've already got it and I can touch it, I don't need to be convinced. I know that that's, you know, that that's mine and that I can now enjoy it. But in the meantime, the written word of God in my faith is the title deed. A title deed is a legal document. The Bible is a legal document. This is not just a collection of sayings as there is in some other religious texts and they just scratched a few things together. Friend, we have a legal document here. We got covenants that have been signed in blood. We've got oaths that God has sworn out of which he's not able to withdraw because once an oath is an oath, it is an oath. And that's why we are, you know, as I say, you know, we try to weave faith through practically everything we say and hopefully demonstrate faith in everything we do. So that hopefully, when I'd say, if other people were to come around, say, say people like myself and, and, and others of you, if they don't know what faith looks like, not only do they hear the teaching, but they see it in operation. You know, the Bible says, follow the faith of your leaders. So in other words, you watch the leaders and it takes a bit of getting used to for people to watch you. But anyway, that's just how it works in the kingdom of God. It says, follow the faith of your leaders. So in other words, you've got to get close enough and see how they live their life. See how they respond in different situations. See, one thing that I always wanted to learn when I first came into church life, uh, you know, 40 years ago, uh, it's like, how do these people pray? I mean, this is a, um, how do you do that? So I get into prayer meetings and, and I'm watching, you know, I'm watching the past, I'm watching his wife and, and I'm watching and I'm listening, you know. And then people say, I don't know how to pray. Get into the prayer meetings and you'll soon learn how to pray because certain things are taught but certain things are caught, and you get amongst faith people, 
and you catch things. All right. It's just part of the conversation. You just say, oh, I hadn't thought of that. You know, I hadn't thought of that. But, oh, is that how they do that? Is that, is that how they live their lives? You know, there's faith to stand. Bible says we walk by faith, and it also says we stand by faith. And I don't mean so much that I'm standing on my feet upright, but I'm, I mean that I'm standing by faith in the middle of wherever God's placed me, in the middle of challenges, in the middle of stuff that goes on, I'm standing there's faith to stand. And if that were not true, then, you know, you watch people that, that walk for a while and next minute they fall over. And they haven't got the faith to stand. And, you know, sometimes we make up our mind, we, we're going to do something and we're going to do it. You know, like it sometimes takes me a while to, to work out what I, what I want to do. But once I do it, I, <laughs> I, I, I will just do it. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, it's like driving in a car. And, and if there were a separate rever- stick for reversing the car out, you pull that thing out and throw it out the window. We're not going backwards. We're only going forwards. Faith to stand. Vanessa and I bought an investment property back 2005, 2004. And, uh, and uh, one of the main reasons that was is because when we read the Bible, the Bible promises is that we can have lands and houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. Jesus promised that. He says, now in this time. So, well... That's what the word says. That's what we're going to do. So we bought this property, happened to be an apartment, um, happened to be one of those where it was a hands-off involvement. So hands-off, everything was taken care of for us. Everything was good until the company through which we purchased it fell apart, went into bankruptcy and money got lost. And next minute, you know, we thought, oh, we better get our hands on this thing uh, and uh, because how many of you know when you know when you take out a mortgage, uh, you know the bank doesn't care what goes on. The bank wants their money every week. <laughs> All right. So so anyway, so we we got things sorted out, appointed the right people to carry on managing the property and and looking after it and make sure that we get somebody in there. You know, and the property is empty. And if it's an investment property, it, it only costs money. It doesn't make money. You know, the Bible says there is no in- income from a clean stable. So you've got you to gotta get somebody in there. And So anyway, so we sorted that out and it carried on. And then uh, word came out that uh, in that particular apartment block, there was problems uh, in terms of the way that it was built. There was inferior products being used. There was stuff that wasn't working out. And suddenly there was issues and problems. And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, so by the time they got in the experts, and of course you got to, you know, we, we didn't have to personally deal with everything step by step, but you got a body corp uh, and, and all of that. You know, and they make decisions, and you got to vote, and you got to listen, and you got to find out what you're voting for and what you're voting against. And and next minute, there's lawsuits, and uh, there's lawyers and courts, and it was just, it was just, it was just like, whoa, that's not what we signed up for. And uh, at one stage, early on, Vanessa said, "Oh, let's get out. Let's just sell the thing, fire sale. Let's get out." And I said, no, 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 we're not selling. We are not selling. You know, a fire sale, you know, if something is really a dud or a lemon, you get out of it, the sooner the better, and you cut your losses. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and you drop a hundred thousand and you sold the property and you still owe the money to the bank, then, you know, that's not a good arrangement. So I said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're just going to walk by faith. We're just going to stand by faith that this is going to work out. It's not looking good right now, but this is going to work out. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 138, it says that God perfects that which concerns us. So God does not only bless me, and and as, as a person, God blesses my affairs. If I have a business, then the blessing flows from me into the business. If I have an investment, if the blessing flows into that. Whatever concerns me, that's what's blessed. So it's just whatever I'm involved in, to whatever extent that I've got involvement or authority, that's what's blessed. And that's what I confess. 
I mean, it doesn't, it's not automatic. It's, it's, it's what we confess. It's what we declare. So we started to declare that this thing was going to get sorted out. And, uh, and then, you know, next minute, you know, the, through comes the bills. Oh, we, we had, uh, you know, building companies in. They had to do this, that, and, you know, have to fork out the money. And it's like, what? This is supposed to be something that's a blessing to us. And now we're feeding this thing. We're feeding it money. And, uh, and said, no, we're standing uh, and we are praying, and I don't know if there were any other uh, Christians involved. As I say, I'm not that closely involved in it and don't know uh, uh, all the other people. But we, we stood and we decided, no, we're going to stand. We're going to write this thing out. It will work out because God perfects that which concerns us. We will come out on the other side. So we stood. And as I say, there were other owners that did their fire sales and... Uh, flocked it off at a great loss and uh, for all I know still might own part of that loan I don't know but uh, uh, anyway we stood and we prayed and and we confessed and we declared and it got sorted out but it took 15 years so so what I'm telling you is once you've made up your mind to stand you stand and you're not saying well I'm standing until tomorrow midday and then I'm not standing anymore as my, <laughs> my brother, he's, he's one for humor, and uh, he's got sayings that, are, that are almost aim him for it. Uh, we say, very so-and-so, I say, he's always fallen over and run out. Uh, and it's like, you know, the concept being like a bottle falls over and runs out, you know. <laughs> he says, very so-and-so, always fallen over and run out. Uh, and uh, so, friend, don't fall over and don't run out. Once you're standing, you're standing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, 11, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So this thing for us standing was like a bleep on the landscape. It was a bit of a long bleep, almost 15 years. So it turned out okay. The money we put in, it all came back out. Everything is okay. It's still carrying on. It's still there. But it took a bit of faith on our part. And it took a bit of gumption. And, and when the reports come through, it's like, whose report do you believe? You know, do you believe the report of the survey or report of the lawyer or courts and body corp and other people? And, or do you believe the report of the Lord? Now, I'm no expert in this area, but I said, look, we're coming out all right in this. It will work out. Okay? And it did. I'm glad to tell you. But it took 15 years of standing. You know, it's like whatever you grow in, in, in your garden, you know, they say that to get fruit from a seed, it takes a little tree seven years before it starts fruiting. And then it only has a few fruit before it really comes into its full maturity. But if you want to grow spinach, you can put the seed in today and six weeks later you can harvest it. You know, but spinach, one plant, it's like, so, so it's like whatever you've got going on in your life, is it spinach or is it a fruit tree? Once you start standing, you stand and you just do not back down. And there's something about, about the devil when it's like, you know, you wear the devil out. You just, you just don't give up. You don't give in. You keep going. People have said to us, it's like, gosh, you know, you guys, uh, how long have you been in ministry? Or so, you know, we planted the church back, you know, uh, 33 years ago. I said, wow, that's a long time. Well, look, we had never any other intentions. Once you start something, you see it through. You don't do like God doesn't change his mind every five minutes. Oh, God's told me to do this. Oh, no, uh, mm, I think God wants me to do that. Oh, oh, actually, I'm not in the right place. I need to be over here. You know, God's not fickle. Got sidetracked somewhere. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As I said, in this instance, when all the natural evidence came through that we were sitting on a loser, that we were sitting on a lemon, and it was all going to go down the gurgler, and it was just going to sit us back decades uh, and so forth, we said, no, faith is the evidence that this will work out. And we're not just waiting for it to work out. We are declaring it'll work out. We're declaring 
God's word over that thing. We are declaring, we are speaking the blessing and the favor of God into the court proceedings uh, um, of, of uh, as I, said, I don't even understand the language, you know, they talk about a plaintiff and a complainant and all of this other stuff. I don't live in that world, you know, but as I said, somehow we got on board with this thing and then somehow, you know, God saw to it that with all the carings on, in the end, it worked out and now the pressure is off, you know. Now we're focusing on other things. <laughs> now we're declaring, we're really declaring lens now. We really believe that that whole lens thing, lens as in physical land, lens, is something that's one of our uh, one of our faith projects now because uh, because we need to our faith needs to grow more and more more and more uh, we, we're not going to stand still you see your faith will either go forwards or it'll go backwards uh, it, it'll not it'll not stay there it'll go forwards or backwards make it go forwards extend your faith um, and as I say, from where I'm speaking now, as I say, some of you are thinking, oh gosh, I just left school and, and talking to me about investment property. I haven't got a house of my own. Well, we didn't start out where we are today. We start out where you are. You believe God. Um, and, uh, and in fact, we're going to get into some more practicalities of, of all of that. But anyway, faith is the title deed of the promises of God. And faith is also the biblical lifestyle of believers. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, underline the words there, the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Oh, isn't that a pearl of wisdom? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your eyes on the problems. Keep your eyes on Jesus. All right? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded the shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So notice here in verse 1 where it speaks about the life of faith. Sometimes people hear messages of faith or they read a book uh, about faith and they say, I'm going to try this. And I would recommend, don't try it. Do it or don't do it. You've got to get into this thing, boots and all. It'll become your lifestyle. Faith becomes your lifestyle. It becomes as natural as breathing. You breathe in and you exhale. You breathe in, and, and that's like a lifestyle of faith. You learn to not just try to put faith on areas where you've got problems, but you spread faith in every area of your life. And you try to be as broad and, as, and, and into areas, but at the same time, you're as targeted as what you need to be in order to get the breakthrough in areas where you are believing God for. Hebrews 10 verse 38, My righteous ones shall live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. He says, my soul has no pleasure in him who turns back. And uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews spoke that to the Hebrew Christians who started out walking by faith, but because of all the persecution, now they, were, they had been Jewish believers brought up in Judaism, but they were used to rituals, rules, regulation, things they could see, candles, and different other things, and, and they were used to that, and then they came into a life of faith, and the life of faith requires no physical evidence that anything is true. It is purely by faith. They started out by faith, and I said, oh, look, we've got so many problems, uh, and, and, and our Brothers and sisters back in Judaism, they're giving us a hard time. I think we might just go back again into that just for peace sake. And God says, my soul has no pleasure in him who draws back. All right. So the righteous ones start to live by faith. They don't try faith. They live by it. It becomes a lifestyle. So uh, furthermore, we're still describing what faith is. Faith is our spiritual muscle. Um, and... Uh, our faith lays hold of the power of God for our lives. Our faith is like a spiritual muscle. It's like an arm that reaches out, 
grabs a hold of the promises of God and the spiritual blessings that we see written about in the Word and pulls them from the realm of the Spirit into the natural realm. So it's like a, a muscle. As I say, we know about bodybuilders and people that built muscles in order to be able to lift more than what they could lift right now. Um, and so it is good for us to build our spiritual muscle. Um, so faith is not just a concept. Uh, it's not just a, a theory. It is all of the above and more. First Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, You are being guarded and garrisoned by God's power through your faith. You see, it's God's power, but it's through your faith. It's through your faith you've laid a hold of the power of God. Till you fully inherit that final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you in the last time. And so, why isn't God's power working for everybody? Because God requires faith for you to lay a hold of God's power and get it working in your life. It is your faith that lays a hold of it. Very quickly now, our faith is spiritual currency. You know, in heaven, our money, gold and silver, doesn't mean anything. Because that's, that's not the currency of heaven. The currency of heaven is faith. Here in Hebrews, in fact, I need to back up. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So the call goes out. God's telling everybody, come to me. It says, I've got water. In one translation, it speaks about, come, I've got grain. You can eat grain. You can buy it, but you don't buy it with money. Buy it without money. He says, uh, he says without cost. So the question is, how do we buy things from God without money, and I say this with some reluctance, but it's hopefully getting the point across. We use our faith to buy and receive the free things from God. And the verb buy here is quote unquote. That fits that scripture here because in God's grace, everything is free. Healing is free. God's provision is free. His protection it's like, you know, if you pay a security guard, you've you got to pay them. They don't come free. But God's commissioned security guards in your life called angels, and he doesn't charge you for it. But you need faith in order to activate all of that. So we use faith to receive the free things from God because faith is heaven's currency. And then finally, uh, last two points here. Faith is the means by which we please God. Hebrews eleven six. and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, I also met a group of Christians up country some decades ago now. And they were sort of in a rural community and they sort of stuck together as Christians do, and they fellowship together. And he says, you know, the people out in the, in the community, he says, they call us God-botherers. They're the God-botherers. That was just a term that the community adopted for them because they bother God all the time. God, can you do this? God, can you do that? They're called the God-botherers. Now, here's the deal, friend. When you call on the name of the Lord with faith, God's not bothered. God is pleased. When you stretch out, for a better life, when you reach forward for a better economical position, God doesn't slap you down. God is pleased by that. It's the spirit of religion that slaps you down. 
And, you know, like I said, that religious devil slap you down. So as soon as you try to improve your life, the devil wants to slap you down and uses religious spirits to do that. And sometimes well-meaning Christians, when you step out beyond where they are, and suddenly they get jealous and they start saying things, it's don't let that stop you. God is pleased when you reach out by faith. Your lifestyle of faith pleases God. It is actually the only way to please God. And uh, that's spoken of in the context, again, with the Hebrew Christians, where they had done all the rules, all the regulation, all the rituals in the Old Testament, all the, you know, all of the offerings and all the sacrifices and all of that. And in the New Testament, we walk by faith. Suddenly, all this ritual stuff is stripped away. Suddenly, all the physical things, the physical temple is stripped away. The candles, the lampstand, all these physical things. And when Christians demand that, I want want something to hold in my hand, you know, give me a a rosary or give me a candle or, or, oh, don't take my songbook away. Take everything away except your Bible (laughs) and walk by faith. Do not demand Physical evidence, don't say I want to feel it and touch it uh, because we have started to walk by faith. Faith is an unwavering trust in God and in his word. Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What is, what is trust? It's faith. What is faith? Faith is trust. I, you, sometimes when I pray to God, say, God, I, I trust you. In this area. And the reason why I say that is, is I want to communicate to God. And as I say it, I hear it. Say, God, concerning this area, I believe I have faith, Lord. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with my finances. I'm trusting you with my family. I'm trusting you with my business. I'm trusting you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean to your own understanding. One translation says, don't be smart in your own eyes. We use our understanding, but God's leading sometimes overrides our understanding. And say, gosh, I wouldn't do this, but, but God says to do this. And I think it's going to work out because God is in this. How do I get faith? Last point, very quickly. Luke 17, verse 5 and 6 In the message translation, the apostles came and said to Jesus, they said to the master, give us more faith. And this is not an uncommon prayer for Christians to pray, oh God, give me more faith. Lord, I I want more faith. Give me more faith. Verse 6, but the master said, you don't need more faith. There's no more or no less in faith. If you have a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed, And you could say to this sycamore tree, go and jump in the lake, and it will do it. So the message here that Jesus is giving to his disciples is you don't need more faith, and you don't get faith by praying for it. And actually, you know, we realize that as soon as a baby is born, baby's got the same number of muscles as an adult has. Just the adult's muscles are more developed. So Jesus is saying, you don't need more faith, just use what you got and develop that. Exercise that faith muscle and use that. If you had faith, even the size of a small grain, he says, you would say, you, you start speaking, start speaking the word of God, start declaring, let your faith out through the words of your mouth. And we're going to get into that in future sessions, how faith is released and it's released through speaking. So really Jesus encouraged his disciples to learn how to use the faith that they already had. My brother, my sister, if you're truly born again, you've got the measure of faith. Use what's there and, and, and start operating at that level. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear God's word again and again, over and over, our faith is charged up like a battery. And as one advice, don't let your battery run dry but keep it charged up, all right? 
So, so, so we hear God's word over and over. I'm in the final throes of reading through the Bible uh, in a year. It's taking me longer than a year, but I'm in the final throes of that because I want to read my Bible, hopefully daily. But if I missed it, I try to catch up because I need a constant input of God's word. And as soon as I finish that, I will start again. Because faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. Present tense. Your faith needs to hear, hear, and after it's heard, it needs to hear again. And after it's heard that, it needs to hear again. And that's how you keep the battery of your faith charged up all the time. So let me close with this, friend. Uh, If you haven't already signed up for a small group, uh, join a small group before you leave today. You either do that physically down the back in our foyer or you get on your church center app and sign up for one of the groups that are still open and even just get in together with other brothers and sisters and encourage somebody else in their faith. It'll do something for your own faith. And see, feed your faith by reading and hearing God's Word. We got those daily readings. We got that booklet there. And meditating God's Word by your daily confession. Speak that confession over and over and over. So somebody's going to give you these materials on the way out. And Frank, today is day one. Let's do this today. Let's do it tomorrow for the next 40 days. I promise you, your life will be better. You'll be stronger for us collectively as a local church. We'll be stronger and we'll be able to make a greater impact in our nation where, you know, God's kingdom is concerned. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.